A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to today's World in 10. It's a chance for you to hear from some of the excellent reporters and contributors who write for the Times of London. I'm Jenny Barsby. Coming up on today's episode, why an Afghan interpreter for the British Army is resorting to using people smugglers to get to the UK. Also, more about the murders of female runners in Kenya and why Americans are swapping California and New York for Fort Worth. All that coming up in the next 10 minutes. In the last week, the UK has hit a milestone and not one the government wants. 100,000 migrants have now crossed the English Channel in small boats to make a life here in the past five years. To do so, they pay people smugglers who overfill small dinghies with men, women and children and send them on their way. In return for a sky-high fee, of course, they don't care though if you live or die. Another milestone, if you can call it that, was reached last week as well two years since the Taliban took back control of Afghanistan. In an article in today's Times of London, those two milestones collide as the Times Middle East correspondent Louise Callaghan brings us the story of Ali, not his real name, a man in his 20s who was an interpreter for the British Army and is now in hiding in Istanbul. He travelled through Iran, uh, over the mountains into Turkey illegally. When he arrived in Turkey, then he applied for a humanitarian visa. His application was rejected and now he's living in Istanbul with with no papers. And I can't really stress enough how difficult it is at the moment to be a refugee living in Istanbul, in Turkey. It's there's police patrols everywhere. People get stopped, ask for their papers all the time, picked up on the streets. And if if he got picked up, he would be sent back almost definitely to Kabul. And what Ali says is that he's been threatened, shot. He's really, really risking his life just by even walking on the streets. The Taliban have come for him and for his family several times. They know perfectly well that he worked with the British forces. And, you know, he's he's extremely at risk. So at risk, Louise writes that he is now turning to smugglers to get him to Britain so he can start a new life. He had tried to get there via a UK scheme that allows former interpreters to resettle in Britain, but was turned down by the Ministry of Defence because of a number of minor infractions, which you can read more about in the article. So now he's doing the only option that he sees that he has left. It's He's getting his brother, who lives in Europe, legally to take out a loan, his family selling a car in Kabul, and he's going to take this incredibly dangerous, illegal route. 
And, you know, Ali is really smart. He speaks great English and he knows exactly what awaits him. He's plotted out his route. He's been exercising, doing push-ups, chin-ups, trying to, trying to get ready. He understands that by crossing the channel, according to this new illegal migration bill, trying to enter the UK illegally, he's, he's going to be committing a crime. And this man who risked his life and is, you know, has had to leave his country because he worked for the British is going to be committing a crime by trying to trying to go to Britain. And with six migrants dying in the dangerous waters of the Channel last week, as Louise writes, Ali knows it's a gamble. He'll win or he'll die. He plans to leave this week carrying water, dates and his phone, the only things he owns, which he says he'll wrap in plastic in case the boat sinks. The eyes of the athletics world have been fixed on the Hungarian capital Budapest this week as the World Athletics Championships has been held in the city for the first time. And if you've ever watched any athletics, you'll probably know Kenya is one of the world's most successful running nations. But all is not well for the country's female runners. The World Intends' Christian Smith has been looking at the story in the Times of London. A cloud hangs over Kenya's successful running industry. A recent series of murders of female runners has devastated the sport in the East African nation. Matthew Campbell, the Times' foreign features editor, has been travelling across Kenya to bring us the story of Agnes Tirop, who last year won the woman's 10,000 metre gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics. She became the fastest female road racer in history when, in September 2021, she won a 10-kilometre race with a time of 30 minutes and one second, smashing a 19-year-old world record by 28 seconds. A month later, though, she was stabbed and bludgeoned to death in her home. She was 25. Her parents were still raw with grief when I visited them. I can't believe she's gone, Dina, her mother told me, in the garden. That's where Turret was buried. Loved beyond words is engraved on the headstone. Agnes's husband is now awaiting trial, charged with her murder. But Matthew says her story is just the tip of the iceberg. On the night before her killing, Edith Mutoni, a 27-year-old runner, was murdered in her home in Nairobi, her throat slit with a machete. Six months later, Damaris Mutua, a track athlete who'd signed a contract to run for Bahrain was found strangled in her home. In November last year, Lucy and Jerry, another successful runner, was abducted in Nairobi. The men who captured her said they'd been paid by her husband to kill her. She managed to talk them out of it. You can read more about the dark side of Kenya's running industry in Matthew's piece, which is on the Times website now. Thirty-two teams, two countries, four weeks of amazing football, but the Women's World Cup is over. And that is it. Spain are the World Cup winners, and it is heartache for the Lionesses. Heartbreak for England, and I genuinely did think the Lionesses would bring football home. Sadly, not to be. But it is congratulations to Spain, the Women's World Cup champions. So for all the post-match analysis, of course, head to The Times Online.
picture the scene. It's approaching high noon, the saloon doors swing shut, while the general store selling Stetsons and cowboy boots goes quiet. But this is no Wild West of the 19th century, my friends. This is Fort Worth, 21st century style. And according to the Times West Coast contributor Kieran Southern, this is just what modern-day Americans are queuing up for. And I'm not just talking about tourists here. Kieran writes that people are moving there in huge numbers. The city added 19,000 residents from July 2021 to July 2022. Now, that's more than any other city in America with a population of at least 50,000. But not everyone is happy about that. They're very worried that the newcomers might come in and, and bring their problems with them, you know, the, the, the problems of afflicting the West Coast cities, such as homelessness and, and rampant crime. And the, the, the people who live in the likes of Tennessee and Texas, uh, age and the people who come, you know, don't bring your politics with you. You adapt here rather than the other way around. As one worker at the stockyards told me, his friendly message to newcomers is, don't California our Texas. Kieran writes, though, that the mayor of Fort Worth is confident that won't be an issue in his city. The article ends with a quote from one resident. Why move to a place if you want to change it? Wise words indeed. It's fair to say it's been a busy week for Kieran Southern, aside from writing about Fort Worth. He's also penned a piece on why some people in the US are driving for more than nine hours, yes, nine hours, just to see a film. If you've already seen the new blockbuster Oppenheimer, you might be surprised to hear you've not done it properly. According to movie buffs, watching the film in 70mm IMAX, the way the British director Christopher Nolan intended it to be seen, is the only way to go. The catch, there are only 30 cinemas in the world capable of showing the film in that format. 25 of them are in North America. Remarkably, though, nearly 3% of the films taking so far have come from those 30 cinemas. Now, you can read more about why 70mm IMAX is such an experience on the Times website. And that's it for today's World in 10. We're back tomorrow. <laughs>